Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. P with Mr. P Explorers, and if you are tuning in right now, you are back for yet another episode of Mr. P's Tales from the Road. How are you guys all doing today? It is Friday at last, and I can't tell you that it is, it is here none too soon. It has been a crazy week on my end, uh, just all over the place. You know, everything that could go wrong this week did go wrong in some fashion or another, but it is the weekend finally. Uh, the, the light at the end of the tunnel finally is here. I hope you guys had a good week. Whatever you were doing, I hope it was better than what I had going on this week. Um, nothing specific, you know, but just, just every little, little things here and there, you know, adding up and, and, and just causing trouble. But it is the weekend. That means I can relax and kind of sort things out and get back on track. But, uh, you know, whatever's going on, I hope you guys are having a great week. Um, to, to, to make things even crazier today, I have all kinds of sinus issues because the weather here in Cleveland, Ohio is not doing so well. It's been up and down and back and forth. We had 70 degrees on Monday, and then we went down to 20s, and then up to the 40s, and it's all over the place. As you guys know, when weather does that, you know, old strains of of diseases mutate, and you get new strains. So, who knows? I would not be surprised if if we get sick here shortly. I'm hoping not. I know I'm just a a bastion of, of positivity here today, but I promise you it'll all turn out okay. Um, it's just been that kind of week. So I hope you guys have been uh, living large out there wherever you're at. Um, so I got a pretty good story for you guys today. Uh, pretty good story coming up here. Uh, before I get to that, I got a couple things to talk to you guys about. Um, question and answer is always on the table here. So if you guys have any questions you'd like answered by me on the podcast during one of our Q&A sessions, by all means, send that in. Uh, I will I will file that away in my ever-growing uh, Google Doc of questions uh, from listeners. I'd love to hear from you guys. Whatever it is you'd like to know, I will try to work that into a show. Um, you know, the usual routine. Um, what else was I going to talk to? Oh, that's right, that's right. Some thoughts on the podcast itself. All right, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, I've been really, as you guys know, and I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I've been really frustrated uh, just due to time and constraints. It's been very hard to do the things I want to do with this podcast. Um, there's all kinds of directions I'd like to take it, different things I'd like to try. Uh, but as a teacher <laughs> who has a thousand and one things to do, uh, especially this time of year, it's been hard to get down and just, you know, and, and to work different things out. I'm really seriously hoping to, to do some different things here in the next couple weeks, months, you know, as we, as we get closer to the warmer weather here, definitely by the time summer hits. Um, if you're like me and you're a perfectionist, you know you want to you wanna give, you know, your best on whatever project you're working on. Uh, and that's how I am with you guys. I've told you this before in other shows. I'm really looking to to give you guys the best product here that I can. You know, you, you tune in every week. You hear a story. Uh, I, I'm hoping that you'll come back. So I'm, I'm hoping to give you the best possible experience here. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I, and again, I couldn't do it without you guys. I love your feedback. Please keep the feedback coming. It's always great to hear from you guys you know, through email or on the Facebook page or Twitter or wherever you're at, uh, it's always great to hear from you guys. Keep it coming. Um, I am going to work my ass off in the next few months to to bring some new things to the podcast. Um, I would definitely like to bring some music to things. Uh, I need a bumper. I need a bumper song. You know, like in the beginning, something, something catchy to kick things off. Uh, just, I don't know. I'll figure something out. But anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to tell you guys, uh, I had this crazy situation happen on my Facebook page um, earlier this week, uh, and it's something that, that comes around every so often, and I'm sure if you guys have ever been on a, a Facebook page for, for exploration or photography, this comes up 
at least uh, several times a week. Um, I don't even remember what it was a building in Detroit that I had posted. It was a picture of, a, of an old apartment building, and uh, I, I had posted it, and it must have gotten shared with other Detroiters somewhere because all kinds of people started jumping in on the conversation. People that normally weren't on my page, uh, it got shared to a couple different sites, and um, people just started, you know, oh, most of it was curiosity. It was positivity. It was positive, you know, questions. But there's always somebody that comes along and just throws this down. They say, oh, what a shame. They should turn that into housing for homeless veterans. Now, I'm sure you guys have had that happen before. Now, again, before I get into this, these people have good hearts. They're good at heart. They have a, they have a positive spin on how things should go, but they're not, they're not seeing it from our end of things. Whatever they say that. Uh, I, I, I want to give them a, a lesson in how, um, you know, economics work and all that. But, you know, to say, oh, they should turn that into housing for homeless veterans. Um, it's kind of, and, and, and again, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's a little naive. Um, there's all kinds of, of thought that has to be put into that. If you think about it, if you get down to it, these buildings are rotting. <laughs> they're rotting. They're full of asbestos. They're full of um, toxic stuff. Just, you know, just all kinds of nastiness. Half of them are falling apart, uh, ready to fall over. Uh, they're in sad, sad shape. You know, it would take millions of dollars to repurpose some of these buildings. I don't know that, that people on the outside realize just how bad these buildings are. Everything inside is wrecked, and it would cost more than you can possibly imagine to make these buildings livable again, even to come close to bringing them up to code. Um, you know, and, and you have to ask, who is, who is they? Who is they that's going to turn these into homeless housing? Who's they? Is it the city? Is it, you know, some kind of public company? Who's, you know, who's going to do it? Um, this kind of endeavor isn't something that most companies undertake. You know, a lot of companies don't just say, oh, let's take that building and turn it into homeless shelter. Sadly, the way things are, companies want to make money, and homeless shelters are not profitable. You know, they're more likely to turn these places into uh, you know, luxury lofts so they can toss huge heavy rent on and, and get money for it. They, they want to make a turnaround on these things. You, you flip them, you rebuild them, you spend millions on them. You want some kind of turnaround. You want some profit. So that's, you know, sadly not going to happen. You know, how is it going to be funded? I don't know. So, <laughs> you know, it's hard explaining to certain people that that's what has to go into. They just, they don't make the jump, you know, the, the, it can't happen. You know, we can't just put people in these places and let them live there. They're completely trashed. Um, you know, you know, you can't put homeless veterans in asbestos. You just can't do that. Um, so, you know, this big argument ensued. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't the biggest argument I've ever seen, but it, it was, it was heated and it was going back and forth between two different people and why it should or shouldn't. And it just, uh, it's just one of those things. So I'm sure you guys understand. I'm sure you've been there. You've probably seen this before. It sadly kind of becomes a joke after a while. Like, oh yeah, we should turn this into a homeless shelter for, for veterans. Um, you know, I'm not against homeless shelters for veterans, but you know, you got to have the funding and you got to have the will. And in a lot of the places we go to explore, neither one of those things exist. So that's where we're at with that. But just something that I noticed and wanted to drop on you guys and just make a, make a note of just because it was, uh, it was one of those things this week that just it wouldn't go away. Every time I thought it was done and over, someone would jump back in and start the fight all over again. Anyway, 
so that's that. Um, but today, I, I, I want to kind of jump. I'm just kind of segue in here real quickly. I want to I want to I want to talk to you guys about an amazing opportunity that came my way uh, via a, a colleague of mine up in Buffalo. Um, sometimes you make plans to go someplace, you know, to go exploring, only to discover last minute that a, a possibly once in a lifetime opportunity has opened up, and that you might only have a short window of time to take advantage of that opening. Um, so, you know, naturally, when that happens, you scrap the initial plans and you do whatever you need to do to snag that golden ticket, if you can, to get this place that's opened up. Uh, and, and that happened to us not more than a few weeks back. Um, my, my buddy up in, up in, uh, up in Buffalo contacted me. He's like, hey, dude, this place is open. Uh, there's no way we can't get in. We gotta go. This weekend, and I'm like, all right, I'll clear everything, and we did. We 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 got everything set up. Um, I, you know, it, this was a long drive for me. It, I'm, from, I'm coming from Cleveland to Buffalo, three hours on a Friday night. Now this happened. I want to say it happened on like Thursday night. He's like, come on up Friday. I drove up to Buffalo three hours. I stayed there overnight. We left Saturday a.m. and then there were five and a half hours. We drove all the way to Philadelphia through central New York and almost what I swear to God was all of Pennsylvania. Just just five and a half hours of nonstop hills. Uh, now, these are beautiful places, don't get me wrong, uh, but it's a long drive. You know, We were driven, though, to get to this place. The place we were going, we had to you know, weather the storm. We listened to podcasts. We listened to music. We, did, we, we told stupid jokes. I mean, we kept each other busy. Um, you know, we didn't know if this place would be open, even be open when we got there. We had no idea whether it would still be open, but we knew we had to go and try to hit this place. Now, what's the place I'm talking about here? This place, you know, word had come down the line to my buddy that a bucket lister abandoned location that was a classic that people had gone to back in the day. It was an OG spot, had reopened for the first time in years. The place I'm talking about here is the Richmond Generating Station in Philadelphia, PA. A mammoth, century-old, and you know, completely decommissioned coal power plant, this just hulking, vast building along the Delaware River, uh, had been breached, and according to our sources, was now accessible. So we cleared all of our plans, we snagged a hotel in the city of brotherly love, we saddled ourselves up with caffeinated drinks, um, gathered up a bevy of snacks, we got all these snacks to go, and we set upon the long-ass road across central New York and northern PA. And it took us most of the day to get there. Um, but when we finally landed on the doorstep of this amazing example of 20th century industrial wreckage, you know, it was early afternoon that Saturday, but we had made it. And upon arrival, it was obvious that we were definitely not the only ones with the same idea in mind because down the road from the plant where we were told the entrance was, there was this uh, kind of an old and blocked off access road to the back areas of the place. Um, you know, that you would kind of go back towards the river and then cross over to get to the, to the plant. Uh, and there were like almost like a half dozen cars from different states with different license plates all parked in this back area. We're like, oh, this is the spot. This has to be the spot. Uh, we recognized a couple cars from different people. We knew who was there. There was a bunch of people in the place. So that, that gave us a good, uh, you know, a good idea that we were going to be able to do this, um, a lot of people had made the pilgrimage to see this, this this titan of industry. There were cars from Jersey and PA and New York 
and I want to say there was even one from Vermont. I can't remember. Uh, but they were all lined up along the side of the path, and we just parked our, our vehicle right up in there and uh, and got going. We got out of the car, and it was it, it, it had turned into this nice, warm-ish day. It had you know been cold to begin with, but it warmed up, and you know we were just going in there with light clothing, and we geared up. We got all of our stuff together. We got our tripods and camera gear, all that stuff ready, and we began walking down this desolate trash-strewn path that led to the riverfront, to the Delaware River, where, according to the stories we've been told, there were holes in the fences that were cut that would lead the way to our ultimate destination, the power plant. Uh, so as we're walking, you know, you've got this local train transit bridge running to the right of us with trains running back and forth that would go over the Delaware. Uh, you know, you had the click clack of the occasional commuter train blowing past us. Um, and to the left of us, you had this beautiful, you know, the, the beautiful Betsy Ross Bridge to our left, you know, for, for the interstate. Um, and it was just, it was a surreal area. It was just this weird kind of no man's land, uh, you know, forgotten in time area that we were walking through. Uh, we dodged mounds of tires and broken household appliances and tons of dumped garbage. Uh, this was definitely a dumping spot for local Philly folks. Uh, but to find our way to the property, we had to go through it. It was just this dystopian wasteland of entropy, right? Fields of dead grass and stunted trees. There was just trash everywhere. Uh, you had the sound of trains off of the distance. You had the sound of the water. You know, the Delaware River was lapping up against these ancient wooden docks, these pilings. So it was just this weird, just surreal place as we're walking back. Um, this is definitely one of those places that's kind of a, a place of slippage where you know reality is kind of not in sync with everything else in the outside world. Uh, you know, Philly has areas like that in large supply. They're just areas that are just, just slightly off somehow. And this was one of those places. Not in a bad way necessarily, but just off. So, we were ready to do this. We were ready to do this and... Uh, you know, we had scouted things out. We'd taken a look around. We had heard that maybe there might be some security on site, but that we might be able to get around him. Uh, you know, we kept looking around to see, you know, what might be there. There's this huge lot next door of abandoned, I don't even know if they're abandoned, but there's, there's school buses, just, just hundreds of school buses from what it looked like, just parked all over the place next to the building. Like someone was leaving, keeping, or using the old lot for, you know, these buses. Um, so we didn't see anybody at first, but uh, of course we, we eventually we found these holes that we needed to find and uh, did a little stealth recon of the lot. And uh, we did see right away, we saw a gray minivan parked near to where we needed to be, but we didn't see anyone inside of it. We couldn't really tell if there was anyone in it. You know, we couldn't tell it was parked there. You know, just to be safe, we made every effort to keep things on the down low. You know, we were kind of crossing the lot. We were, like, doing this whole Scooby-Doo tiptoe style, you know, hiding behind stuff. You know, it, it was almost comical um, the way we were moving across the, the territory. Um, and what we wound up doing is crossing right in front of where this guy was and, and back behind the bus. There's a bus that was parked right next to the building, and that was where our entrance was supposed to be. And we kind of just, just sashayed right across the lot, right in front of this dude. We didn't know if there was anybody in there or not. But uh, somehow, amazingly, we had gotten away with this, and nobody came out. Nobody said anything. Um, later, we would find out how lucky we were about this situation um, because there really was somebody in that minivan, and for whatever reason, he did not see us. So we considered ourselves very lucky, but I'll get, I'll get back to that later. So we slip in behind this parked bus, and we're right up against the wall of the plant, and, you know, there's our entrance. Boom. 
We're in, just like that, with nary a scratch. And with no entanglements with the local security, we're in Richmond. And it was amazing. It was a, it was a holy shit moment. Like we, we came all this way, we drove eight, eight hours, and here we are, we're in, let's get this thing going. So, you know, uh, we unpacked the cameras, and we got everything ready to go. We got down to business. Now, naturally, being a temporary dumbass while packing my bags back in Cleveland the day before, I had charged up but had forgotten to include my most necessary item for exploring. This dark and and dangerous, potentially dangerous power plant. My Phoenix flashlight was sitting on my goddamn desk hundreds of miles away in Ohio, completely charged, uh, you know, exactly where it did not need to be. Shit. (laughs) That's all I could think. I'm in this dark building where there's holes I could fall down. Uh, It's wet. You don't know where you're going. And my flashlight is gone. So I was kind of pissed at myself. Luckily, my buddy was able to light things up. Not a big deal. But sometimes you have those moments where you're like, good job, dumbass. Way to go. You've you've gotten your most important tool. Um, All that notwithstanding, we find ourselves in the guts of Richmond Generating Plant and into one of the most beautiful and most detailed abandoned Rust Belt works of art I have ever had the pleasure to behold. This is now, this is one of my top five places now just because of just how beautiful this place was. Um, I don't know that I'll be able to express to you guys in words. Uh, if you've been there, you know. If you've been to Richmond, you know what I'm talking about and what I'm going to, you know, what, how I'm about to put this to you. If you've never been there, I don't know that anything I can tell you in this podcast is going to truly make you understand how amazing this place is. I'm going to try. I'll give it my best. All right. Um, Before I dive into this fever dream exploit here uh, in in this gargantuan hulk of a building, let me lay down a little history for you guys. Uh, Life and time of Richmond, as it were. Um, To do that, we had to go back 100 years. You know, 1920, there was this huge population boom right around that area in Philly's northeast side. And, uh, of course, because of that, they they needed more electricity. You know, Philadelphia Electric's generating capacity was not enough. Um, They had a couple stations back then. Uh, They had the the Schuylkill. I think I said that right, Schuylkill. I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry, sorry, Philly folks, if I didn't. And, of course, the infamous Delaware Generating Station. Those were the only plants in the city at the time. So they decided they were going to build another one. And Richmond, you know, plans to build Richmond were were tossed in there. Um, as it was designed, the station was going to contain three generating components. And each one would have a boiler house uh, to make steam, a turbine hall, and switching gear building to control, you know, how the power was going and where you know, where it was going. Uh, and only three of uh, only one of the three components was constructed. Turbine Hall was built. It was one of the most large. It was according to what I read. It was the largest open room ever designed at the time, and I can believe it, having seen this place. Uh, I I don't. I guess it was modeled after the ancient Roman baths, which was kind of cool because the Romans, you know, Roman baths were amazing. If you ever did a history course on Romans, uh, you know they had their baths down pat. Huge places. Uh, two of its four turbo generator units were installed, and 12 of its 24 planned boilers were put into place. So this place was not built um, completely up to spec when it opened. Uh, it, it operated for 10 years like this. They, they just they had enough to go, go on, and they kept it going like that. They didn't need more. Um, 
No, they just didn't need it. Nothing was nothing was necessary at that time until 1935. Uh, you know, more people were moving in. Um, a third unit was installed around World War II. They needed far more power because the factory started churning out tanks and bombs and guns, and you know, Philly had its own like that. So they needed more power, and they overhauled everything, gave it new boilers. Um, you know, by 1951, they added a fourth unit, a fourth unit. Uh, and when you're in the when you're in the, the turbine hall, you can totally see how different each of the of the turbines is. They're built at different times. One, you know, older older to newer. You can definitely see the differences in these in these four turbines as you walk through it. Uh, definitely different models built in different time periods for sure. After years of service, as the need switched over to, to you know, newer and more modern facilities, um, the steam plant was shut down in 84. They shut it down in 1984. And uh, with some exception of its equipment being removed to be used elsewhere, it just it was left there to sit for decades. So um, almost you know, 40 years to the, to, the, to the year, 40 years ago. It's been sitting there. So that's the short of it. I mean, there's a whole crazy, crazy history of this place. You know, all the technical specs and all that are out there. You guys can go look that up if you want. It's, it's had a, a checkered past. You, know, you dive into it. There's lots of cool stories about Richmond. Um, but, you know, for the time being, let's get back to the adventuring and the rust spelunking. Um, let's dive back in. All right. Um, so we enter the plant. You know, we climb through the window and immediately run into some local explorers. You know, we didn't expect to see anybody right away. We knew there were people in there. But, you know, we, we, we kind of looked through the window, and there are these guys that are coming the other way. They're coming out. So, of course, after the usual exchanging of pleasantries and, you know, exchanging of Instagram accounts and all of that, um, they kind of let us know what was going on in the building. And they let us know that there was live work going on as they were there. There were workers in the building while they were exploring. These guys were down in the pits, down below the main turbine hall in the in the basement area and uh we didn't know what size the crew was it was a crew of unknown number down there and they were basically draining decades worth of nasty stagnant you know rot stinking and just dead muddy delaware river water out of the the basement of this place um you know there's just this rust caked depths of the plant uh, just where these untold miles of pipes and brown stained and crusty stuff, you know, mechanisms were, were seeing the light of day for the first time in, you know, since who knows. Um, they were clearing all this out. Uh, so you know, we asked, well, you know, what, what, are we, what are we supposed to expect here? It's like, oh, just to stay up, stay up above the pits, you should be fine. They're not going to hear you because the sound of the machinery is way too loud. Stay out of sight, you should be good. So... Uh, they've been plugging away down there, I guess, all day. Uh, these guys had been there from you know dawn on, and they kind of beat these guys there. So they were there when these guys arrived, and um, nobody had seen them. These guys had been there for seven hours, and no one had seen them. So we, we took that as a good sign. So um, we said goodbye to our comrades-in-arms. They left, and uh, we uh, went in, and uh, right away we could hear we could hear the pumps. We could hear, you know, the occasional acetylene cutters. They were slicing up some of the, the, the metal junk that was down in these pits. You could hear them making noise. Things were being slammed. Uh, you could hear shouting, uh, noise, you know, just they were, they were going to pull something out of the depths. They were scrapping the place professionally, basically. They were draining and scrapping. Um, and we stayed out of sight. You know, we we're, we're, you do what you got to do, all right? Don't be seen. As long as you stay out of sight, they'd never know we were there. So we said our goodbyes to our, our, our buddies that we saw leaving, and my partner and I, we, we just we delved into this dark, the dark recesses of Richmond, you know, and uh, 
it was quite the first the first 20 minutes was a hassle because we could not find a stairwell that would get us off the first floor and the first floor is very dark it's very dark um just just wet and rust everything's just everything every step you're waiting to fall into something uh we had very little light of course i had no flashlight so I'm moving very slow. Uh, we're looking for a stairwell that would take us up and into the heart of the place where the turbine hall was. Uh, you know, our, our camera, our trigger fingers were anxious. We wanted to get up to the turbine hall. And, and again, I just felt like a total maroon for having to move, you know, step by step. You know, this grimy ass water that was in some places an inch or two or even more deep. Just, you know, footstep after footstep. With no flashlight, I, I just did not want to fall through a hole or bust my ankle or, you know, just who knows what could have happened. And I just felt like a total dumbass without my flashlight. But I don't know, I'm assuming you guys have all been there. None of us will ever admit to it, but we've all forgotten equipment and felt completely stupid. So now eventually after 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, you know, we're bouncing around aimlessly around the, 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 this labyrinth of, of passageways, this Stygian darkness, you know, this Hades-like, you know, getting overdramatic here, but it felt like being in the underworld, you know, this bottom floor. Um, finally, we see this ray of light in the distance kind of beckoning to us, and at the end of this ray of light, sure as hell, is the stairwell to the upper levels. So, you know, we, we jump for joy and we ascend this, this, this jank-ass rusting metal stairwell up to the orange light above. And, and literally, the light was orange. It was orange. Um, you know, we enter out into this vast and majestic kingdom of rust, the soaring elegance of this plant. We, you know, this, this was the site we had traveled hours to witness, this massive turbine hall of the Richmond Generating Plant. And it was magnificent. I can't even stress enough how magnificent this this room was. I've explored several power plants in various states and from different eras, but nothing could have prepared me for the scene that unfolded as we finally got up to that level and we reached our destination. So goddamn big, overwhelming. Uh, above us, you know, all you could see uh, were these 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 massive red and orange rust mottled steel vaulted beams that came together to form a huge dome over the top of the plant. You know, and it, it, you could tell at one point they had had skylights that the, the pieces had fallen out of. You know, big chunks of the of the thing had fallen down. Uh, it was all once clad in glass, and it was just open to the sky now. So you could see the blue sky. You know. Uh, on the other side of the rust. It was just a beautiful... And, and the sky was so blue that day. The contrast between the rust and this just this azure sky outside was just breathtaking. I remember simply standing there for a minute, and my mouth was totally hanging open like a, a Northeast Ohio river carp, which is pretty bad if you've never seen one. All right, and I just, I, I just completely and totally captivated by just the grandeur of it all. The sheer audacity... Of the architects and the workers who made this place a reality a hundred years ago, just it was just rich and thick. And this was a god level artistry. It was just like amazing. I can't. It's hard to believe that people had the skill to build on this scale a hundred years ago. You know, this was an example of what could be built when the human mind and ingenu you know, ingenuity thinks outside the usual box. You know, when you aim for horizons that you'd never aimed for before, this this is what happens. This this place. This is what America once was, you know, larger than life, you know, doing things that people said couldn't be done. We did it. These massive, massive structures. And we just stood there for a while looking at this. You could not, you could not put, take your eyes away. It was so 
amazing. At least to me, maybe it's because I just I'm an industrial. I'm a fool for industrial. All right, and this place is the the epitome, you know, of industrial. In the dictionary, where it says C next to industrial in the dictionary, it's a C, C. Richmond generating plant. It's like that. Now, eventually, we both pulled our shit together and we put together our tripods and our cameras and we got down to business. Um, the turbine hall was easily a hundred meters long, maybe longer. And every single turbine completely just dwarfed us. We felt like little little miniature, you know. It just it just each one was just huge, and each was caked with just flaking deep orange rust. Um, you had a little bit of the original green, coppery green color, you know, the the, the patina coming through. Um, just 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 evidence and you know patches here and there on the machinery. It was just beautiful colors. The colors were amazing. This was perfect for photography. And the light was perfect, too. I'll get to the light later. The light the light was perfect all day. Uh, there were just pipes of all sizes just crisscrossing everywhere, all across every single surface. Every turbine was separated by the deep pits that contained the lower-level guts, the pits we were supposed to stay away from. <laughs> um, there were these ornate wrought iron railings around the pits, you know, for safety... For safety, you know, they, they, they had these, these like, like wooden, uh, you know, banisters, and they allowed you to look down into the, 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 the depths below. And it was murky and gross and horrible. You know, but somehow it was still just fascinating. You know, you've got these pits that are just full of murky liquid, and they're, they're not completely drained. You know, and there's these rusting pipes that have been underwater for years. Just these different colors. Every, every shade of brown, green, red, orange you can think of, that's what you're seeing down in these pits. Uh, just a riot of earth tone colors. And these, these pipe tentacle-like machinery that, that look like something out of a steampunker's wildest fever dream. Right, steampunk, Victorian amazingness. And even though we wanted to, to slowly and, and thoroughly take in the, 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 the resplendence of this rusty wonderland, this technicolor wrecked up industrial Emerald City of Oz... Now I'm getting poetic on you guys, right? But you know, this monument to the power and fury of coal-fueled dynamism. We decided to wait outside uh, where the work crew was not and head for higher areas of the power plant where we wouldn't be seen. All right, we'll come back later. We'll wait for them to leave. Uh, that way we can explore the pits without any problems. Uh, we didn't want to be seen, heard, or experienced by anybody down there. We didn't want to deal with any kind of trouble. So we decided we were going to go up and find uh, this legendary control room. Now, somewhere above us was this amazing, magnificent, old control room. We were told that it was upstairs, and so we went looking. You know, uh, they, they couldn't see us in the stairwells. Uh, it was completely off off to the side, so you couldn't see us. Uh, and uh, we went up several stories. I'm thinking almost three or four stories up to the top floor of this gigantic structure. I, again, I cannot tell you how large Richmond is. It's just friggin' huge. Um... Now, we got up there, and as we're looking for the control room, we're walking through rooms and rooms and rooms of old electrical equipment. Some of it had been scrapped, but some of it was still there and in different conditions. There were coils and, and wires and antiquated meters and displays and gears and old panels with red and green buttons galore. Just thousands of unscrapped wires everywhere. Pipes. Uh, you know, we searched all over for this, this main prize through this, this wonderland of crazy stuff. And uh, it just you wanted to stop and shoot, but you had to stay eyes on the prize. Uh, we had to find this control center. 
So finally we turn a corner, and there it is in all of its glory, looking like something from a Fallout game. If you've ever played Fallout, you know what I'm talking about, that like that 1940s, 1950s, you know, crumbling, decaying vibe from Fallout. That's what it looked like. It looked like some insane AI's idea of what Victorian technological prowess uh, would look like. You know, uh, it, it was this gently curving control panel that ran the length of this huge room. Just this huge, like, slightly curving panels where they would have controlled... You know, at one time there would have been chairs up and down this, and they would have been sitting there controlling the whole shebang from this giant control panel. And, um, you know, opposite of the control panel were these huge bay windows. Most of them had been blown out, you know, busted out, but you could look straight down into the turbine hall below, like four stories down. So this was like the overlooked, you know, for the... You know, <laughs> people are doing the control up there. They're looking down on, on, on what's going on down below. And it was just, oh my god. It was like, it's like going to the Grand Canyon. That's what it felt like. Right? Just awe-inspiring. You're standing way above this thing, looking down, going, holy shit, this is crazy. Crazy. You know, uh, you know, this control center, this is where dozens of men once worked, monitoring every single friggin' detail that needed tending to in this, this huge complex um, just the, the, it was just mind-numbing how complex the technology had to be back then to make this nerve center run. The whole operation was run from this this control center. Um, so you know, you see, you just as you're looking on this this semi-circular workstation, you know, most of the the mechanisms have been ripped out, and, and and all the panels have been torn out, and all of the the cool stuff that you want to see have been torn out. There were a few areas where there were still some things intact. There were there were usually large holes, but you know here and there you'd see areas where there were buttons and panels and gauges and and levers and all kinds of mechanisms um, where they weren't scrapped out. There were still a few left, so it was kind of cool. Uh, whatever whoever had come up there to scrap them, these were survivors. These were survivors of whatever metallic purge went on, you know, at some time in the past. So behind the arcing long panel, there were these 10-foot-tall banks of electronics. I don't know exactly. I don't, I'm not sure how they worked. I'm sure somebody who worked in elect, electrical plants could explain it. But um, these must have been you know, where the computing power and the mechanical works of the control center were, these big, giant banks that were behind the, the control panels, uh, just these large, dark, hulking things. Um, I don't know. In order to crunch any sort of worthwhile information for the plant's moving parts, this is probably what it was. It was, it was probably their version of a very primitive computing that ran the whole place back in the day. I'm not sure how it all worked. Now, needless to say, we spent a decent amount of time just reveling in the presence of these long, silent machines. You know, we shot them from every single angle. We took our time. You know, We had plenty of time because these guys were still working down way downstairs, so we figured, well, we'll take our time. Uh, it, it, I, 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 I shit you not, it felt almost like a photo shoot from like back in the 1960s, like in London, right? One of those models, super, sh super shoots, you know, European models. You're like, I'm spent, baby. Yeah. Right. One of those things. That's what it felt like. This glamour shot to this place because it was so beautiful in its ruin. Right. It's hard to explain to somebody that doesn't understand you know, the beauty of ruin. Like it's just a busted up control panel. No, it was beautiful. It was amazing. Anyway, I'm kidding. I'm, I, I had a very good time. If you can't tell, I had a very good time at this place. This place was more than, more than I was bargaining for. 
All right, uh, moving along here in the story. Up until this point, um, in our wanderings throughout this this rusty fortress of electrical wonders, we'd been in the absolute clear as far as running into any of the workers. Uh, these guys have been chugging down in the pit. Um, you know, finally, after a while, as, as we're up in the top exploring, uh, finally things start to gear down. We start hearing pumps going off. We start hearing things kind of slow down. We can hear the guys talking and yelling back and forth. Uh, and there were fewer and fewer of them. As, as the minutes went by, we could tell they were leaving. And eventually, uh, they locked the gates and the place was silent. So we had this whole place to ourselves. Uh, and it was kind of strange how, how silent the place was. It was almost deafening. The silence was deafening. Once all the pumps and the machinery and all the people were gone, you, you could literally hear like like crumbs of masonry falling down from above every so often, just falling all the way down to the bottom, just, just you know, and you could hear that. It was like a like a pin dropping. That's how quiet things were, without all the loud ass construction workers carrying on, joking, and you know, tossing insults at each other down in the pits. So it was it was really cool. Um, as we we're having our way with the with, with the control center. Um, these guys took off. Uh, finally, we decided that we were going to go out onto the catwalks that edge along the sides of the turbine hall. Way the hell up. Stories and stories above the ground floor. Uh, there is this three-foot-wide catwalk that, that goes completely around the edges of the, the top of the building. Right? Three-foot catwalk all the way around. So you can see the whole thing from up above looking down. You know, it has it had a, a railing, but you want to talk about vertigo. Holy shit. <laughs> vertigo was raging. Uh, I step out onto this reinforced concrete catwalk, and there's nothing but a wooden and metal railing standing between you and a swift fall into oblivion and the next world, the afterlife, right? <laughs> there's not much saving you from falling if something goes wrong. But we were way the hell up there. And... Uh, and these catwalks were covered in decades and, and just layers of fallen debris, uh, stuff that had fallen down from the ceiling. Um, but they were still sturdy. You know, it's reinforced concrete built with steel. Uh, it was to the point where I wasn't too worried about anything collapsing underneath me. I was more worried about the railings. If I leaned up against the railings to get a shot, you know, would, would they stay there? You know, I, I didn't want to try that out. I didn't, get, I didn't get terribly close to the railings all the time. I did, I did a couple shots, but uh, I did not want to find out what the afterlife was like, you know, on the quick by doing something stupid. Um, now, it's funny. Had you guys told me back in 2019 when I first started doing this that I'd be up in the furthest levels of a decaying power plant, you know, holding court up there with my tripod, you know, my camera and gear way the hell up, on this three-foot-wide catwalk where one wrong move could have rendered me dead in seconds, I would have brayed my ass off for hours. Like, there's no way in hell I would have done that back, you know, five years ago. There's no way. Um, it was totally, you know, it, it's kind of amazing how we grow. And you guys know this, right? If you're exploring, you, you've, you've gone through this on your own. You, you know how you push yourself and you grow. Your boundaries grow over time. You, you get used to certain things and you push that boundary. And that was how it was with this. Uh, here I am, four stories up on this little catwalk where there's no way I would have done that back then. Uh, and it was totally worth the vertigo and the just the holy shit mindset. As I slowly edged my way around the sides of this thing, of this plant, you know, and along the tracks where, you know, just below where the, there was this long, you know, long idle overhead crane, this giant crane that would have gone back and forth on these tracks along the length of the plant with this giant rusting hook hanging down on the thickest chains I have ever seen. Um, just these chains holding this massive, massive 
crane hook, which I assume was for, you know, pulling parts up and, you know, if they had to do repairs or putting new parts in, you know, these massive multi-ton parts for the generators. Um, but you could see it swaying in the breeze, this giant hook, which is moving ever so slightly. There was this nice cross breeze going through the, through the facility from all the broken glass and the windows. And you could see the hook just moving back and forth. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, whatever internal panic I was experiencing about being up that high was well worth it. Like I said, it was totally worth it. The view was beyond gorgeous. The afternoon sun was glowing off of uh, all those rusting generators down below. You know, make, it made the entire building just kind of radiate with this warm orange hue. Everything was orange and yellow and different shades of that. Reds, oranges, it just it was beautiful. Uh, the, the, just everything glowed. Um, the glass windows that were still, the ones that were still up in this, in this huge arcing pane of glass, you know, on, on each end you have these arches with, with windows in them. All the glass was still in those, and it just let this warm solar energy through. It just gleamed off the, the, the glass. So you had this blue, you know, blue sky coming through and just this beautiful glass sheen. It's beautiful. Um, now, the sheer scope and magnitude of this place was, was far above just just uh, I, I hate to say it but it was almost like a holy experience like being up there you know if you're like me and you see industrial ruins as, as almost like sacred temples dedicated to this coal and steam powered marvel filled past whose memory is sadly kind of fading away you know in our culture um it's fading the recollection of this is almost gone people don't know that this was our past you know, I, I, I take those places seriously. This was Richmond was akin to the Oracle of Delphi. You know, if you're not familiar with the Oracle of Delphi, it's this 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 major site in Greek mythology. You know, the gods would commune there. Just this this huge industrial past right there in front of our faces. It just was a holy spot. It's really strange to say that, but that's how I felt. Unfortunately, you know, this this kind of place is being uh, forgotten and replaced with the new gods that we have today. The gods of cheapness and soullessness and social media and meh, right? Uh, that's just kind of how it is. Like, like, like things like this aren't looked at as being wow anymore. Nobody, nobody thinks about it. Um, I know, I get, I, I get overdramatic when it comes to this stuff, but let's face it, nothing we have the will to build these days for anything can hold a candle to what our forefathers built with far less technology. And Richmond is a perfect example of that. Um, today's industrial buildings are built for bottom line, increasing efficiency. They're not built for style and grace. Maybe some agree that that's a good trade-off, but I'm not one of those people. All right, but I digress. I certainly couldn't complain with the shots that I got from that vantage point. It was just, a, I, just I could not have walked out of there happier with what I got. It was just beautiful. Uh, so eventually, after an hour or so of scrambling around high uh, above the defunct turbines, we, we finally were able to make our way down and get a crack at the turbine hall from the, the ground level of the turbines. And it was none too soon because the golden hour had hit. And holy shit, anything that had color in it was magically enhanced way beyond imagination. You know, the slowly setting sun was giving everything these deep shadows, and you had sharp contrasts and these brilliant orange colors. Uh, anything that was 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 colored just had this, this enhancement. You know, the pipes were these 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 uh, just these just rust colored, rust encrusted turbines, pipes, support beams. Everything just glowed orange. Uh, it was just it was just, just you really could not ask for better shooting conditions in an industrial building. Um, 
just wow. The overabundance of rusty mechanical wonderment. The lighting situation, it, was, it just it all came together. My comrade literally had to peel me away from what I was doing because the light was fading. I was just, I, I, I was just, I saw shots everywhere. Um, this is one of those places where no matter where you look, it sucks you in. There's like millions of shots that form in your brain. No matter what direction you're turned, you see shots. You see, you see possibilities in Richmond. So, you know, reluctantly, I had to eventually pack my gear up and uh, we decided to call it a day because it was starting to get dark. So we descended back down into the murky and dimly lit maze of passageways on the first floor. After 20 minutes of, of dead ends and screwed up directional issues, you know, kind of like the way we, on the way in, we found the hole that finally led us back outside. Um, so it took us a while to find our way out, but we finally did it. Uh, now, we weren't done quite yet. It wasn't until we were ready to make our exit that our luck kind of, sort of, fell through. Uh, my partner had climbed up and out through the window, which was about six foot up from the floor. He had to crawl up this, you know, there was a bunch of contraptions set up there. People had put stuff up there to climb on. Uh, you know, he climbed through first, and, uh, you know, I handed him his bag down. And as I was making my way through the hole, you know, ass first, my ass hanging out, and as gracefully as a bloated ox, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just making my way through this window. I hear this gruffy, this, 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 this gruffy voice demanding to know what the hell we were doing from down below. I'm like, oh, shit. And I twist around to look to see who had talked. And that's when I saw this scrawny dude standing there watching us. Uh, talking to us with this glare on his face. Uh, he, had a, he had a backwards hat on his head. He was clad in this, this grubby red hoodie. And if I remember correctly, he, he, he was in a pair of roughened up cargo pants, way too big for his frame. Um, the, the details I remember from this guy, he, had, he, he was chewing on some kind of piece of plastic just like hanging out of his mouth. And he was like gnawing on it as he was barking at us from a few feet away. And turns out this was the security guard we'd been warned about. This guy had pulled his car a little closer so we could see the hole, and he saw us come out. And he came over, and uh, you know, this was the guy we had miraculously sashayed on by when we first came in, hours before. And somehow this guy hadn't seen us. And he was pissed. He was pissed off. And, you know, he was like, right, yeah, go ahead and call the cops. I'm going to call the cops on you. God damn it. He, he, was, he was pissed. Uh, and we had to talk him down. You know, we had to calm him down. He thought we were scrappers. He assumed we were scrapping. We had these bags. He thought maybe we were scrapping there. Uh, we, you know, he, he, he was just pissed. And he just kept, oh, I'm tired of people coming and going and blah, 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 all day long. And he went on this big rant. Apparently, we were not the only ones who had made the attempt to enter the plant that weekend. Um, apparently, there were lots of people that tried it, and he was kicking people out left and right. But somehow, he did not see us. We were we were two of a small group who had somehow stymied his half-hearted effort at keeping people out of the one hole that existed in this place. Um, it was one hole. That's the only job he had was to cover one hole, and yet he missed a bunch of people. He caught a bunch, but he missed a bunch. Now, we calmed this guy down. We showed him our cameras. You know, he told us he... he, he once we, he realized that we were just there taking pictures, he told us about all the unsanctioned scrapping that was going on. Um, you know, he was just pissed and tired that he had to actually do work. All, right, all these people were coming in and out of the building. He probably thought when he started this job it was going to be a nice, chill job, sitting around in his car, on his phone, taking a nap for a few hours, and it turned out to be completely different. He underestimates explorers, scrappers, and, you know, just curious kids. He, he underestimated that completely. 
Um, now, later we find out that this distinguished individual was none other than the infamous Pee-wee. That was his name, Pee-wee. At least that's what people called him. Maybe he told them that was his name. Uh, we don't know his real name, but who knows? Uh, this could be his real name. Don't know. But Pee-wee um, had been sort of kind of guarding this place for his employers. Um, you know, he had his little minivan set up there, and he'd sit there for hours a day and watch. Uh, and now we found out, too, this guy was accepting bribes from explorers. He would take, you know, bribes from different people to go in, and uh, he'd let them pass, that kind of thing. Uh, he's probably pissed because he didn't catch us and couldn't get money from us. I don't know. Um, since the place had become open, you know, people were coming and going. He, he, he was getting, probably making a good buck off of us. And, um, he must've been hopping and jumping all afternoon because the flow of inquisitive local kids and well-traveled explorers alike, there were people coming and going out of this place, like a deluge, like a flood all day long, all weekend. Um, you know, even after we left, we, we left this guy, he let us go and we left, uh, as we're on our way back to the car, we come upon two other well-sized group of kids. And one of them was a group of, of explorers that were just young. They were coming back. You know, they had cameras and stuff. These guys couldn't have been out of high school. If they were, they were 19, if anything. Uh, g- cool kids. They were real cool. We exchanged information, and, and they had questions. And, you know, uh, we talked to them for a few minutes and just said, Hey, Pee-wee's over there. Be careful. Uh, the other group we met as we were getting closer to the car were just a bunch of kids, just a bunch of punk kids that were just, you know, wandering around. Um, just, you know, with no agenda. Uh, and sure as shit, they all came back with their tails between their legs. Minutes later, we stood by our car kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. And sure enough, we see them coming back a group at a time, all dejected looking, you know, they were all victims of Pee-wee's short man disease. His antagonistic demeanor, uh, kicked them out and sent them packing. So Pee-wee did his job after us, apparently. So we consider ourselves very lucky that we had somehow sauntered past this guy when we first arrived, right? Like the god of abandonment was smiling down on top of us, flakes of asbestos shimmering off his shaggy, unkempt beard, and his booted feet clear of soggy wet ceiling tiles, right? The god of abandonment. Uh, he, he guided us while keeping Pee-wee's attention fixed on something, anything else. Whatever that might have been, who knows? Maybe he was on his phone. Maybe he was taking a nap. Maybe he was doing other things that I don't want to think about. Who knows? Uh, when I say we walked right in front of him, I mean right in front of him. And that beat-up gray minivan was right, like, like, like feet from where we walked. This dude should have seen us, and he didn't. So, you know, luck or otherwise, we were, we were only two, two of a chosen few to get into that place that weekend. And, and we could not have been more down with the experience, you know, the experience we had just had. This was, this was an amazing experience. Uh, probably one of my top three exploring so far. Richmond generating plant. And this was my partner's big white whale. Everybody's got a white whale. Everybody has a building that eludes them that you want to explore, but you can never get into it. This was my buddy's. You know, mine was always Richmond Brothers in Cleveland. This was his. Richmond, you know, Richmond generating plant was his white whale that he wanted to catch. And he was jazzed as all hell that he'd been able to scratch his exploratory itch. Finally, he's gotten in and he got some shots. Um, I was just hopped up on adrenaline. I was just happy to be able to see this this fabled bucketless structure up close and personal. Um, up until this day, Richmond was just a legendary abandoned structure that I had seen in the feeds of of, of just all these OG explorers that I had known when I was first starting out. That it, you know, they, they're where I'm at now. You know, five years ago, and now some a lot of them are gone now. They're not around. 
Um, these are the guys, you know, they, they had plumbed its deaths and its heights years and years ago, and here we finally got to see what they had seen all that time ago. It was really great. Uh, it had been sealed, completely inaccessible for quite a while, and uh, we were finally lucky enough to get inside. Um, who knows when it'll get welded up again, you know, how long it'll be. Uh, who knows if anybody will ever get in again. Um, there's plans, supposedly, for this place. Who knows? And, uh, you know... Due to the fact that we started later in the day as a result, you know, of this long trudge across Pennsylvania, we, we by no means got to look into every section, uh, every nook, every cranny that this place had to offer. There's so much stuff we missed. There's so much stuff I saw that I wanted to go back and shoot, but there's no time. Um, many of the secrets, you know, remained hidden to us despite our attempts to see everything we did. We tried to run as fast as we could to get as much as we could, and it just wasn't humanly possible before dark. Uh, we wanted to go looking for the filming locations inside the plant. Um, there was a movie made in 1995. It was a Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe movie. It was called 12 Monkeys. Pretty good movie. If you've never seen 12 Monkeys, I highly recommend it. You will see all kinds of cool stuff from Philadelphia in 12 Monkeys. But they had used Richmond Generating Plant as a filming location. And they had built some sets there, and they had left some artifacts there for this film. And supposedly, if you find the right area, you can find some of these these things in the structure. Uh, there were doors that had false names on them. Uh, one of them says the bunker or the infirmary. It, it was you know an underground structure that these these uh, apocalyptic survivors lived in in the movie. Uh, they used the plant for that. There were piles of old x-rays. Um, some of them actually had, had Pennhurst State School written on the bottoms of them. They were used as props um, to, to you know make it look like this place was a, a psych hospital. Uh, there, was, there was a plywood wall with a window and what appeared to be an MRI machine uh, connected to it. it was all fake. It was all used as part of the movie. This was the part where, where Brad Pitt, he plays a guy named Jeffrey Goins, this crazy guy. Uh, he was in this mental uh, institution. Uh, and, and Bruce Willis drops in on him as a time traveler um, in the middle of the night. That's from that scene. Uh, you, you see it. And I, I, we, we wanted to find it, but we just didn't have the time. Sadly, we never got to document any of that. You know, you just can't win them all. It's not possible. But we did a, an amazing job with what we had, and I was happy with what we came back with. That place is a gem. Oh, my dear God. Uh, so if you, any of you guys out there managed to get in in this, in this last couple weeks, hopefully you had as good of a time as we did. It was just a, a, a breathtaking situation. Um, definitely one for the, for the personal record books. It was exciting stuff. Now, uh, the question is, what, what becomes of Richmond? Like, what are the plans for this thing? Are there any plans for this place? Uh, you've got this vast, century-old, rust-coated powerhouse on Philly's northeast side. What are they going to do with it? Are they going to tear it down? Well... From what I could gather, last December, uh, one million bucks were dropped in legislation. There was legislation that was passed uh, to drop one million dollars to help convert the old plant into some kind of commercial slash entertainment destination, uh, kind of like what happened to the Delaware plant down downriver, the old Pico plant. Um, they had turned that into luxury apartments. I, I hope they do not turn. Richmond into luxury apartments. That's the most meh thing they could ever do. Like a whole shit ton of meh. You know, as that means that average ordinary people won't get to experience and admire the beauty of this plant as we were able to. It'll only be for the rich folk. And that would be sad because this is total heritage. All right. I'm hoping they do something different that allows people to come in and see this place. 
But, you know, whatever they do, at least the place will not be demolished. You know, so many other places we know have been destroyed. Uh, it's still a win, even if it's not the win I'd be pushing for. We can hope. So, fingers crossed for Richmond Generating Plant. Um, we had a hell of a weekend in Philly that weekend. And uh, for those crazy two days, you know, we had some, some hits and we had some disappointing misses, as you'd expect. You know, when you go exploring far in a far-off town and you don't know the territory very well, you know, some things work out, some things don't. I'm going to save those exploits for another episode. Uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff we did after Richmond. That's We'll set that for another episode. We'll talk about those stories some other time on Down the Line. So that's my adventure in Richmond Generating Plant, for better or worse. Again, I hope I, I, I was able to put some kind of, of, of image in your head as to what this place looked like. Again, I don't know if I can do that with words. The best thing you can do is, is if, you, if you can't get in there, if you can't go, look it up online and you'll see what I'm talking about. This place is just... Wow. It's like that scene in The Wizard of Oz when everything's in black and white. You, walk, you know, Dorothy lands in Oz, she walks out the door, and boom, Technicolor. That's kind of how it was. That was the shock to the system. Anyway, so there's our story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you have a lot of plans for this weekend. I hope some, some good things are, are coming up here. Um, I really want to say I, I am enjoying seeing all the different things that I'm seeing on Instagram and on, on Facebook. All you guys are putting out some amazing photos. Just keep that coming. Keep the creativity going. Uh, keep shooting. Take your camera with you wherever you go. Um, it's, it's great to see how different everybody's styles are. Uh, it, it would be really boring if we all did the same stuff. So, you know, keep trying new things. Keep doing different things. Keep traveling. Keep doing your thing. It's awesome. It's always excellent to see what you guys are putting out there. All right. So without any other uh, further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Have an awesome, awesome weekend. It's supposed to warm up. Go out there and explore. Be safe. Have a great time. And I'll see you guys next week. This is Mr. P signing out.